up, everybody? Welcome back to the Showtime Forum podcast, talking all things purple and gold. I'm your host, Chris Camello, joined, as always, by, by my esteemed co-host and Showtime Forum contributor, Mr. Chaz Pearson. Top of the top, Laker Nation. What's good? We in here. We got another good one for all you Laker fans today. Will Kyrie's conference call halt the NBA season? How will the NBA respond? Will LeBron's influence swing the pendulum? And could this lead to a divide in the Laker locker room? We're breaking that all down and more on this edition of the Showtime Forum podcast. But before we do, be sure to follow us on all social media and streaming platforms at Showtime Forum. That's at Showtime Forum. You can also follow us on our website, theshowtimeforum.com. That's the, T-H-E, showtimeforum.com. Chaz. You look well-rested, my friend. How was that weekend in Sin City? I, I had a good weekend, man. I, I had to step out a little bit due to the quarantine conditions that we've been on for the last thir- three months or so, 90 days. Um, but, yeah, it was good. I, I went to Vegas on a uh, spur-of-the-moment kind of trip and was home in time to see all the comments about uh, what's what had gone on Friday night on the conference call. Uh, with, with our <laughs> NBA guys. So I'm well rested. I'm ready to go. And uh, how was your weekend, man? Weekend was good, man. Just continue to uh, trying to stay alive over here. I did get a, you know, none of you guys can see this, but oh, I did, I did cut. get fresh cut. I got a fresh cut. I got a fresh fade on Sunday. So I felt good. I shaved. I went from looking like a hobo to now a somewhat respectable human being. So, I mean, that's probably still up for debate. Anyway, <laughs> but but a, a lot went down. Bright Light City going to sit my. Okay, I'm not going to get into Viva Las Vegas right now. Not right now. I, I, I'm not, I gotta have a few drinks in order to get that through. Kyrie Irving uh, made news over the weekend uh, coming up on a conference call with other members of the uh, MBPA union, which included Chris Paul, uh, several others, including there were a few Lakers on there. Avery Bradley, Dwight Howard, Lou Williams was on there as well, just to name a few. Uh, and basically what it came down to was Kyrie tweeting out that Something smells fishy, and let's not buy into this whole Orlando thing where we're basically going to be sequestered and and imprisoned. So originally, it came out, I think Chris Haynes was one of the first to report on that, that the players were unhappy with with the protocols and the conditions that the league had set into place starting in July at Disney World in Orlando, Florida. I know Danny Green had said that the hotel situation was a concern. So it started off initially... As an issue about the health and safety of the players, where uh, you know where and and when they can go to certain areas, obviously the family situation, if they could bring in their families, when they could see them, what's their situation with the bubble testing, etc. That quickly turned, and it became an issue about the the uh, Black Lives Matter movement and the protesting and how. The last thing we should be concerned about is resuming the NBA season, even though the players voted on it. Now, granted, a lot has changed. We've seen the senseless murder of George Floyd. We recently saw a murder of uh, Rashad Brooks, Rashad Brooks uh, over the weekend in Atlanta that was caught on, on the body cam footage. Thought, thoughts and prayers are with the families of, with him. Robert Fuller was recently, reportedly, hung uh, in Palmdale. It's been all, all of these hangings have now been ruled suicides. We don't know what, what, what situation is there. I, I think better of it. I, I know what, what's going on there, but 
No one else is really saying that other thing right now, but still, we've seen too many other senseless uh, uh, murders since George Floyd w was killed himself back on May 25th at the hands of Minneapolis police officer George Floyd. So a lot's going on. We're still in the middle of this pandemic. We have other social injustices and systematic racism that the players are trying to um, to stand up against and create awareness of and, and protest, and I'm definitely all for it. But now, it is now, that movement is starting to get in the way a little bit of what the NBA had planned. So Kyrie says something smells fishy, which I thought kind of, I think the message of the movement got lost just with that comment. Because now it's like, do you not like the conditions? And are you using this uh, movement as a way of saying, we won't play because our focus should be this? Or is there something else I'm missing here? So there's a lot to unpack there. Go ahead, Jazz. What do, what do you so, think? So on its face, I mean, I'm, I'm very glad that we're not recording this Friday night or any time over the weekend, even 24 hours ago, where my stance was very, very high. I mean, me and you text back and forth, and we were both in the Lakers slack, right? right. Voiced my opinions vehemently against uh, what Dwight Howard um, Kyrie Irving, even Avery Bradley, Lou Williams, and what some of those guys had to say because of what, what they said on, on, on its face, right, mm -hmm. on the surface. So it's going to get pretty deep here, and, I, and I'm going to take you guys on a little bit of a journey so that way you can kind of gain a little bit of context as to why some of the guys feel the way that they do. Right. Obviously, on its face, it's, it's just hard to um, be away from your families for an extended period of time, especially uh, a time like this where you don't know if you're going to see, talk to, um, be with certain people for a long period of time. Everything right. is, seems kind of uncertain. There's nothing that's absolutely certain in these times at all. So you start there along with everybody having a different perspective, right? You, no one looks at the same thing the exact same way. We all have different fingerprints and we all have different sets of eyeballs that see things differently. And for these players... There's no different. There are a group of individuals that collectively um, do the same, have the same job essentially, which is play basketball. But right. they all come, we all, they all come from different walks of life, the same way that we do. So mm -hmm. on its on its surface, um, these players not wanting to play specifically that were on the call that have voiced their opinion. I understand where they're coming from. Yeah. If it was if if mainly if it was just I don't feel safe, I don't feel comfortable. Um, you know, it doesn't even have to be an excuse. And that's what Adam Silver and Michelle Roberts of the MBPA has done together, worked together in order to do, to make no penalties for these players that decide that they want to stay home and do not want to play. Mm -hmm. Obviously, they'll, they'll, they won't get paid and they won't partake in any of the playoff bonuses or anything like that, but they won't be penalized. You, you know, you're not going forward, but you're not going backward right. either mo monetarily, right? Mm -hmm. But as far as how these players feel about the comfort level of not being able to leave and the staff, you know, on Friday, I believe uh, it was worth that the staff was going to be able to come in and out and, and that not being um, set in stone. So Valid obviously all, all of this is fluid. So mm -hmm. it's literally happening day by day by day. And Adam Silver tonight um, on the Sports Center special with Mike Greenberg said himself 
that we are going to you know get these issues corrected and come to an agreement on very specific things with the players over the course of the next few weeks as they ramp up testing and teams start to report back to their uh, facilities uh, before the t- they their travel parties head off to Orlando uh, on the 30th of this month. Right. But moreover than anything is the different perspectives, like I said, with the players. I, I want to take the perspective of Dwight specifically. Yes. Um, and, he was, and he's been that. one of the most vocal people in addition to Kyrie uh, th- throughout this whole uh, situation. And since these concerns that involve the, the COVID testing and the health and safety of the players and also not having this season because you don't want to create a distraction against the protest. So, yes, Dwight yeah. has been very vocal about that. It, it, exactly. So his stance has been very, very noble, and I appreciate the effort in which and the passion in which he takes the stance that he has. But his perspective is very, very unique. Dwight Howard, unfortunately, has had a loss within his family where one of his the mother of one of his children ha- had passed away uh, during the quarantine pandemic uh, during these last three months, I should say, mm-hmm. from epilepsy. And yeah. Dwight Howard has, has a very large family and he, he lives in Atlanta. And this is the first time that he has been able to spend this amount of time with his family. But to give you a little bit of backstory on Dwight, as we all know, as Laker fans and as just NBA fans in general, Dwight hit a very low point last year when he was in Washington. And he speaks to the redemption tour that he's been on anytime he's done an interview with Inside the Green Room with Danny Green or connected with on Access Sportsnet or any interview that he's done maybe with Dave McMiniman on ESPN or anything like that. He's always talked to the journey that he had been on recently as far as finding himself and specifically his walk with God as a Christian man. And Dwight has been able to reach certain, take certain steps and reach certain heights in his relationship with the Lord to where he feels a certain peace and clarity in the way of his thinking. It's very, very evident, in my opinion, also being a Christian man and seeing where you know Dwight was maybe earlier in his career, to even Houston, to even now, uh, with back, being back with the Lakers for the second time. So mm-hmm. I can tell that he's very sincere and genuine in the way that he is speaking. But specifically for Dwight, I don't think he's using the movement as a shield. He's very, very truthful in his words with basketball being a distraction Mm -hmm. but at the same time my feeling is that he has a job to do as do i as do you as anybody else that's listening to this podcast we all have a role to play in society society doesn't move unless we all move as one doing different things serving each other and, and having like i said a role that plays and his role fortunately and maybe sometimes unfortunately he is a star basketball player he is an entertainer but at the same time he is a human being And if he does not feel comfortable with playing, and especially given the loss that he's had with his family and the large family that he has with, you know, as many kids as he has, which hasn't been, you know, a a quiet kept secret, you know, that is is his prerogative and the league has made it so to where he won't be penalized at all. It would be very unfortunate for me uh, to not see Dwight play. So his agent came out and and said that he has not made a decision on if he's going to play or not. Obviously, uh, that's still up in the air. Charles Briscoe, yes, he spoke out about that recently, yes. Exactly, and and even as recently as the last maybe hour or so uh, of us recording this on Monday night, he has gone on CNN with Don Lemon and, and expressed himself very thoroughly as to why he feels the way that he does. But if he really feels the way that he does, in my opinion, which is very noble, I feel like he should just retire and become an activist. If he really, if anybody right. feels that strongly about it, 
you, to where you don't want to play, it's easy for Steven Jackson to say he's not playing anymore, right? right? I understand, and it's, and it's personal for him, right? You know, all of, of this is really personal for us as, as, as black people, but also just yeah. people as, in general. Mm-hmm. But Steven Jackson and Lou Williams saying it's anybody that's saying it's Avery a Bradley, yeah, Avery Bradley saying it's chestnut checkers. Yes, it's chestnut checkers, even for the owners. You realize if you don't play, how many billions of dollars are lost that are going not only to the players, but for the people that work for the NBA, exactly. the people that work for these these teams, the the communities that surround um, these arenas mm-hmm. that have programs that are um, geared towards the inner city and black communities and minority communities, as well as the dollars that are coming from the players that are being pumped into the communities directly from these players that are getting checks from these TV deals in the NBA. So I say all that to say, there's more to lose than there is to gain by sitting out. And they can use this platform to really speak the change that they want to because all eyes are going to be on them. The NFL's not coming just yet. Baseball is, for lack of a better term, wetting the bed right now. Um, hmm. And obviously hockey and MLS soccer and the WNBA just, quite frankly, isn't even in the ballpark. So yeah. all eyes are going to be on them, and they can make best of the situation that they have at hand. I think you nailed a lot of a lot of great points right there, and I don't necessarily disagree with you. I think you're right. Dwight's gone through quite a bit, not just with the loss uh, of the mother of, of his six-year-old child, which was devastating to epilepsy in the middle of this pandemic, but also too. Uh, Just everything he's gone through in his life. I mean, he's hit some really low moments, both physically with the hip and the back, but also mentally, because this, at one point in time, Dwight Howard was considered a top five NBA player. And even right now, if Dwight Howard never played an NBA game, more than likely he's a Hall of Famer. He's going to get in. Maybe not on the first ballot, but he may, he he will definitely be a Hall of Famer. First ballot. First ballot. uh, I'm just saying. I I don't know how. Yeah, in your opinion, and probably a lot of people's opinion. I mean, I think he could be a first balloter, more than likely on a second. I mean, I'm not voting on it, but I'm just telling you, I don't know what everyone's going to look at, if they're going to look at championships or numbers or things like that. Anyway, that's beside the point. So yes, he's had a lot of time to reflect, and he has gotten a second shot, not just in the league, but with the Lakers. And how rare was that? Nobody saw that coming, and he has made the most of it to the point where he has been an X-factor on this Laker team. So no question, I understand Dwight questioning whether or not he wants to come back because he's in his hometown of Atlanta. Even though he lives on a big mansion, he is still connected with what's going on, especially with what happened over the weekend. So between that, between the loss of a significant person in his life, and now to think about his family, particularly his children, and putting himself at risk, those are all valid points. The issue that I have is, like you said, you still have a job to do, though. And I understand it's difficult to be away from your your families for seven, eight weeks while you're pursuing, while you're basically going to work and trying to pursue an NBA championship. And the and it's not about providing an escape or entertaining. This is your job. So the two go go hand to hand. And not to mention, this is going to be the biggest platform. So you want to you want to invoke change. You want to speak out on things. This is the the best way to do it by the season continuing, where a lot of media coverage, maybe there won't be as many reporters, but there will be a lot of media coverage just covering the games. So you want to have a post-game talk with a microphone in your face and talk about what's going on in Atlanta, what's going on 
in, in the federal government, what's going on in our society, the, the systematic racism that exists in, a, in, in many aspects of corporate America, that is the platform to do it. Who says you can't do your job and still have uh, a social conscious at the same time? Muhammad Ali did it. Jim Brown did it. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar did it. Arthur Ashe did it. They all did it. And in fact, Muhammad Ali actually served jail time. He lost years in his prime because of him speaking out. So I'm just, I'm just saying that there are ways of doing it. And even LeBron James, your teammate and perhaps the biggest face of the league and certainly the most influential voice in the league, also believes that having a season would help. Now, LeBron may have another agenda. He knows his window is closing, so the, the times to win a championship are going to be few and far between with the league continuing to, continuing to get more competitive, especially the Western Conference. So I get that. But I think also, too, LeBron James has proven through the years. There was time in Miami, the two cents in Cleveland. He has opened up a school. He's done. Uh, he's he's expanded his media company. He's been an activist. He he's been an activist. I mean, he has done so many things while still being an elite basketball player. So I'm just saying, I understand we're in a hard time in America right now. This is historical what we're going through. But I'm just saying, you've got to think about all these different things: the business aspect, the movement, and and like you said, do we? Uh, how much is canceling the season really not only going to affect us? all of these other people that depend on us playing in order to make money because we all got bills to pay. And last thing as well, I just want to point this out before I turn it back to you, Chaz. What is the plan by protesting? You know, we talk about protest, protest, protest. Where, what is the plan? What are you trying to accomplish by the protesting, by sitting out? What message, you know, what things do you want to have changed in, within the league? I'm not hearing enough of those types of solutions or the desires of the players of what they want to accomplish by sitting out. I, I don't know if that's insensitive of me to be asking, but I think that some, uh, having a plan of attack in place of what you want to accomplish by sitting out and protesting needs to be thought of as well. Right. I, absolutely. You, you can't just say um, the fact that Dwight gave a statement directly to CNN and didn't have a plan Right. Or Kyrie didn't have a plan or Avery Bradley didn't have a plan of action. Maybe they do, you know, maybe. Um, but, but, but we didn't. He, but we didn't. He, we haven't heard one. Right. Specifically, if, if you come with action to back up your words, then we we, we we as the public don't have much to question you on. But specifically, as it pertains to not playing, I just feel like that's just going to be more damage uh, overall for a long period of time mm -hmm. than it would actually good uh, for for the movement and for people in general. Because at the end of the day, racism it doesn't come from cute statements from companies and, quite frankly, white people just saying, oh, now we get it. No, it, do it doesn't come from just that. It comes from years, hundreds of years of oppression and a mentality, of, sorry, a systematic yeah. mentality uh, that people have had for hundreds of years and decades. So I say all that to say that when you don't play, you're really hurting not only yourselves, but you're also taking away from some of the good that you've done by getting the CBA to where it is now. Yeah. Somebody like somebody like Donovan Mitchell and Kyle Kuzma and even Jason Tatum could be receiving a $90 million contract as opposed to a $160 million contract right. if, you got, if you guys don't play. And the um, reason... Oh, no, I'm sorry. I, I wanted to throw this in there because I think this is big. The fact that, and I think you're alluding to it, 
the fact that the a lot of the players are split on this, some are cool with sitting out and some aren't, when you have dissension in the ranks like that, coming up on the next CBA, you're giving the owners inadvertently oh, the, leverage. the leverage. And I'm not saying that the owners are callous enough to want to hope for something like this to happen because we all should be on the same page. But you also know there's still some old white money that run a lot of these teams, you know, as well as I do. You know, outside of Michael Jordan, how many minority owners are there in the NBA out of 32 teams, right? Or 30 teams. I mean, it's only it's only one, right? Really, in, so in the, in the NBA, so so I'm just saying, you've got to be careful that you don't overplay your hand by doing this because it could cost you something more in the long run. I just I wanted to point that out. Yeah, I, I, absolutely, because there are not just millions of dollars, billions of dollars at stake right. if these if these teams don't play. So ultimately, I'm not even really scared that they won't play or not. I just don't like how Adam Silver specifically has not only bent over backwards for these guys, but has really gone out of his way yes. to, to work and collaborate with so many different people. Create a partnership. Inclu- including the president of the United States. You know, regardless of what anybody thinks about the president directly, I, I thought that the president speaking with um, the commissioners of all major leagues was a really good step because sports is such a huge thing in not only our country, but the world. And we have the top leagues and the majority of the worldwide sports uh, that is very important that American sports sports leagues come back and find a way to play. So mm-hmm. I, I just think that also the way that they have kind of, it's, it's like a slap in the face to, it, to Michelle Roberts and Bob Iger and yeah. And, and, and Adam, and Adam Silver. Say. And it's like, this kind of just came out of nowhere. I understand yeah, everyone's it, angry, but at the same point in time, you just kind of throw this on, on us while, while we're working really hard to resume the season, finish the season, make sure we're doing what's best for everybody. We're not trying to imprison anybody. We're not trying to sequester everyone, but we also got to make sure that nobody gets infected here. We're trying to limit that. At the same time, though, I think it's a perfect storm. Timing is everything when, when it comes to especially things that are happening True now. That. Yeah. And, and, and my opinion is that the feel that I get, especially with watching uh, the interview from Carmelo Anthony, I believe, with Ernie Johnson uh, last week, um, he, he was just speaking to how there is just a lack of communication to the masses. Not saying that they don't have these large uh, conference calls, but information that's disseminating. There, a lot of these guys are finding out information from Shams and Woj and Chris Haynes, just like we then, are. Then, right? Chaz, you know what? That falls on Chris Paul and the rest of the board of the Players Union for not cre- for not uh, absolutely for not yeah, creating and, a, and a, a stronger exactly line of communication. Sorry, that's exactly that's that's exactly what I'm getting at. Some of the, maybe some of the communication just isn't as fluid. Um, as it should be, but we also have to take that with a grain of salt because literally the NBA is making this stuff as they go. And I know that that sounds bad, but that's what all of these sports leagues are doing. This is the hand we've day, been dealt. Yeah. One day we're wearing mask. One day we're told not to wear masks at the very beginning, and then we're told, "Oh, you you have to wear a mask." Right. One day we're being told that asymptomatic people uh, are the most uh, contagious, and now we're hearing. New studies that asymptomatic people aren't the most contagious. So right. under, underlying conditions or not, testing or not. I mean, there's so many different variables that have gone into exactly. not only the pa- pandemic, but also the, the socioeconomical status of our country. Mm-hmm. And then we just have a president that just throws gas on a huge fire, which 
is police brutality and systematic racism. So we have a lot that we're working through within our country right now, mm. but I hope that these players, um, as well as anybody that's working in any sports league, can see that if you can play, the best idea is to play uh, because it's better for the masses and for us as a people to be able to take our mind off of uh, certain things, uh, but also be able to have the foresight to make decisions that are good for the masses at the same time as well, if that makes sense. So and, and the it's, thing, it's a fine line that people are walking. These no, days, no doubt. And, and I agree. And things are probably getting missed and, and changes are being made. Like you said, there's different information coming out. And I'm sure that Adam Silver, as well as the owners, they're probably working with a lot of these doctors and scientists and things like that. Like, hey, what make, you know, this is what we have in mind. What makes sense? And, you know, can we be a little bit more pliable considering our situation? Listen, at the end of the day, there is no perfect way to resume the season for any of these leagues. There, there's going to be sacrifices. There's going to be no gate. There's going to be no fans. Uh, some of the teams are going to have to miss out on, on the TV money. Uh, some people are going to have to miss out on, on the billions of dollars that playoff money gets from concessions and merchandise and things like that. Uh, and listen, sequestered for eight weeks, I know that's terrible. I know that's terrible, and I mean, but it's not even—it's not even like you're not going to see your family f for eight weeks, right? I mean, the families get to come after the first round, right? Is that did I hear that correct? The family, you know, uh, which would, which, yes, which which would be a, which would be approximately around um, August thirtieth is is okay. what the schedule kind of uh, permits for. So essentially, these guys are going to leave on the thirtieth, right, of of June, and pretty much won't be able to see their family for. About two months, but I think six to eight weeks mm. of being sequestered and playing basketball um, for billions of dollars to not only set up your uh, uh, of, of children and people that within your community, but also the players that are coming behind you, like Lamelo Ball and Wiseman and anybody else that's you know going to be a top player right. in the remainder of the draft. Uh, so I'm I'm curious to know really what's going to happen. Um, we really don't even know if we're going to get a, a, a season uh, at the beginning of December or end of, right. end of December. Or, it's or going to be something exactly else. Going to be. Yeah. Yeah. So, so a lot of things are up in the air. But all I really care about at this point when it comes to sports is um, crowning a champion. Yeah. I, I just I, I would just hate to see. I know it sounds selfish, um, but I, I, could, I could care less what. Kyrie Irving and you know anybody else on anybody. Even to be honest, I even as a Laker fan, I could care less what Avery Bradley and Dwight Howard really have to say about okay. not playing. Um, and Lou Williams so, saying saying and, that and too. Lou Williams, I, yeah. I, because because ultimately we're going to play. It's noble. I respect their stance. I'm on their side. I am I'm too. I'm on that, but I just don't think that you can do both. Austin Rivers. That's said what I'm saying. You can do both. We can use this platform to speak against injustices, but at the same time, collect this check, entertain the fans, and be the ones that really shine the light through a really tough time but, before the NFL came because Rob Manfred and MLB um, Players Union can't, you know, get their head out of their ass. for <laughs> And utilize the platform. That's the thing. That platform is going to be huge once you come back. People are going to be tuned in every night and, and and that's the thing so this is your chance if you want to continue to be protesting yeah maybe you're not out there in the streets but you could still 
you know, uh, when, when you're doing the post-game press conferences and things like that and people are exhausted talking about the game itself, they could ask, hey, uh, what's the next step? Uh, or do you plan to work with any local legislators or city councilmen or police commissioners and chiefs about uh, invoking type of change? And what type of change would you like to see? What will that look like? And I've been asking that a lot. What will the change look like? And as far as the NBA goes, as far as what changes they need to make in regards to responding to uh, the recent uh, conference calls and, and some of the concerns that the players have, I wonder what that's going to look like. What more does the NBA owners need to do right now in order to get the players back on the court and resume this season? I would like to see some of the owners, other than Mark Cuban, um, come out with initiatives and action that are going to the communities of where they're based at and, moreover, condemning racism and the systematic mentality of um, the police force and supporting reform and putting some money where their mouths are, uh, mouths are. Yeah. And not, and not just money, but actual action, putting in, uh, implementing certain um, programs within the communities uh, to help maybe with police reform or holding uh, certain uh, meetings, co- uh, council meetings within leaders of the sports community. So that way they can speak on behalf of maybe coaches and other high school players and college players within uh, local areas. There, there's yeah. a lot of a lot of different things that can be done. Um, they just have to actually, number one, be genuine in their actions and also uh, be forthright and, and put their best foot forward. So also what I would like to see happen is the NBA um, specifically designating time each day to question specifically about um, the movement, protests, Whatever idea. it may be, to yeah. where a, there's a certain designated time where, yes, we can talk basketball, but, okay, once basketball questions are over, then we move here. Or we start with, you know, hey, whatever it is you want to say about the movement, you, you have maybe five minutes before you, we get into basketball questions, and that's just how and the interviews are structured. There's just certain ways that you can there, go about making this platform bigger. There, And, and I don't want to – if you have more to say on that, I want, I want to get back to you. I just want to also say that's also up to the media as well. To, to be to have the foresight and the diligence to ask those questions, knowing that it is something that many, many, many uh, of these players really care about. So I think it's also up to the media to also ask those questions. And knowing the people that cover the game, I don't have, I don't doubt that at all. But just to be sure, I would like for something to be implemented by uh, the league uh, in order to make this platform yeah. uh, a, a bit better. Maybe maybe film a com- maybe film a commercial that's shown throughout the playoffs that's powerful. Um, maybe you get certain forums or certain meetings, right. um, you know, within within um, during the bubble because a lot of these players are going to have a lot of time on their hands, actually. I know it sounds weird, like they're going to be... Um, <laughs> well, know, they won't be traveling. ...sitting around all, all day because right. they, they won't be traveling, but they're going to have a lot of time on their hands, so they, there's going to be a lot of interviews that they could do and a lot of speaking out that they, they can do. How much will they want to do for the teams that are really, really focused, like Kawhi and LeBron and Giannis, um, you know, to kind of be distracted with that? Mm-hmm. But either way, whether they're speaking out against it or not, this stuff is at, at the very, very forefront of all of their mind. And I know Kawhi hasn't come out. You text me and we, and we talked about, you know, why hasn't Kawhi said <laughs> I, 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 
I just noticed that. So I just wanted to get your take. Why do you think he hasn't spoken out? Because it seems as though if you give a half a half-assed statement or one that doesn't really address the issues and doesn't seem sincere, you're complicit. You don't say anything. You're you're complicit. So we talked about it. You get one shot to say the right thing and and to really sound genuine and from Kawhi, it's been, you know, mute, it's been a mute I mean, just like he normally is, he's very silent on things. He's very quiet, even during his post-game interviews. Believe me, I have talked to him firsthand, and you know, you barely get a, a reaction out of the guy, let alone a couple of sentences. So I'm not surprised, but at the same point in time, you wonder where he stands on this, and if he's even doing anything behind the scenes. Maybe he's just doing. Maybe he's, uh, you know, he's a man of action and is writing checks and trying to set up programs and stuff like that that we'll probably hear about later on. I don't know. Um, I think he is. I, I think he cares deeply about his people. Um, I know him and Paul George do, even though I'm not fans of theirs as, as basketball <laughs> players, but I, I, I am fans of them as people. Yes. And I, I'm, I'm not going to say that they aren't doing those things. I, I believe that they are. Uh, but at the same time, it, it doesn't surprise me that certain guys are staying quiet because if you don't uh, want to speak specifically about certain details um, and you don't want to be under the public scrutiny of, well, why didn't you say this and this when really you were coming out um, like the Dodgers, for instance, who mm-hmm. made a valiant effort to try and uh, make a statement. Tiger and somehow Woods. We're, we're undercut Tiger Woods as well, like we spoke about last mm-hmm. week. So, yeah. James I mean, I, I understand why somebody wouldn't want to speak out, but I mean, there's certain play- certain players that absolutely have an obligation to do so like LeBron, um, and quite frankly, Giannis did have that obligation as well, and I'm glad that he realized that and, and, and came out and supported the movement the way that he did. In Milwaukee, Be, yeah. Because, because, he's the, because he's one of the newest uh, of the largest stars that, have, that are now, you know, in my opinion, now a top five player in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, so for him to kind of voice his opinion and, and be very boisterous in doing so, even when he has a young son, right, uh, coming, coming back home, even though there's a pandemic going on, he's still in the streets marching um, just like the rest of us and, and the majority of us that, that have done so over the course of the last now 21 straight days of, of protests um, somewhere in the 50 United States of America. So it's a beautiful time. Yeah. And I just, I just keep, hope it keeps going. But at the same time, I hope that basketball is played as well. And I just going back to our original point about what how the league can, can respond. I think it's also continuing to work with the players like, hey, what would you guys like to see? I mean, obviously we're billionaires. We have a lot of influence. We got a lot of friends in high places. What would you like to see us do? You know what I mean? And that way you could kind of open up a line of, uh, of communication and the players can educate the, these billionaire owners about what's going on in the communities that they don't really live in. Yes, they own a team, particularly in that community, but I think for, for, for those lines of communication, for those owners to be educated, I think that would allow them to really create the best plan moving forward. Maybe it is set, setting up more educational uh, uh, programs for youths in the community. Maybe it's setting up programs where uh, there could be a dialogue between police departments and, and community members, and they could kind of be a part of that. I know Malcolm Jenkins, one of the programs I love that he set up was Let's Listen Together. And I really think with a program like that, that's how you really invoke change because you see what the police are dealing with, what their mindset is, what their culture is from the inside, 
and the police on the turn see what's going on in the community and what their concerns are. So maybe the players and the owners can kind of work together to bridge the the police officers and state legislators, city council people uh, with the community. So I, I think th- those are uh, areas where you could really see some some change and everybody using their platforms to create awareness and really invoke change. Great points that you made, man. Um, one thing I want to piggyback off of is how important it is for not only the players, but everyone that's within the NBA as as an organization member to, to realize the privilege that they have yes. right now. Yes. Um, a lot of people will be defined by their actions, by what's going on currently. Mm-hmm. Le- Adam Silver said when all of this started that this is going to be the greatest task uh, ever. And David Stern was defined by getting the league to where it is now. Yeah. I believe Adam Silver is going to be defined by preserving and protecting that because it could have blown up like a comet hitting Earth at, you know, light speed. So mm-hmm. I say all that to say also that there are just different things that can happen that Adam Silver is collaborating against or with uh, to, to prevent from happening, but also um, other people need to step up as well and, and help and help him out with some of the optics um, that are coming back. I, the, the players just did him no favor. So he, he's working hard through it as much as he can. Yeah. Uh, you could, you could kind of see the stress on his face when, when he talked with. And continuing uh, to try to always him. take that higher road and not think of it as, Oh, uh, and not try to be vindictive. I, I don't want to say this right here, but not try to be vindictive like, okay, you want to play it like that. I won't forget this come CBA time. I won't forget this. So speaking of something that nobody should forget, it's about LeBron James and the influence that he still exudes on this league. He is still obviously a top three player in the NBA. He's the star of perhaps the biggest brand in the NBA. And one of the things with LeBron... we still can't forget is the fact that he still holds so much influence uh, within this league. And so he came out and said, basically, and I'm paraphrasing, what we have basically been saying. I could stand for the movement while still also being a basketball player. It doesn't have to be mutually exclusive where it's like play or protest. It could be both at the same time. And Patrick Beverly kind of put that particular aspect on on blast, saying, if King James wants to hoot, we're all going to hoot. Hashtag stay woke. And Patrick Beverly, we all know, I know this from interviewing him, he tells it like it is. You know what I mean? 
There is not a dishonest bone in his body. You know what I mean? He keeps it real all the time. We all know what a dog he is on the court and whatnot, but he's the same way off of it as well. He tells it like it is. He's very businesslike. He's not too sappy, and, and that's just what it is. So for LeBron James, if he ultimately decides that, hey, it's in the best interest for the league, for us, to go out there and play and utilize this platform to our advantage, then that's what it is. And you're going to see many more of those players not really wanting to sacrifice too much of their finances because they've already been taking a pay cut since this shutdown happened in order to continue this movement. Rather than they should see this as the movement shifting from where we're at in our hometowns with our families to now doing it together as an NBA brotherhood at Disney World in Orlando. Cooler heads will prevail. And that's pretty much what the theme is here in all of this. I, I know that there are players that are upset. Um, really, more than anything, what I'm sensing is confusion, right? The players just don't know. Misunderstanding, and don't, yeah. And when you don't know something to be a, a fact or a solid ground to stand on, you're forever going to question it and, and have things that can easily misguide you and, and, and cloud your judgment based off of what, what really the truth is. The truth is that it, it is going to be pretty relatively safe with the safeguards that they've put in place, that the NBA has put in place. But in my opinion, LeBron's cooler head of really knowing that they have to play, they have an obligation to play, right? We don't have to hear this from him. The way that we have come to know him and the way that he is currently actively speaking out against the injustices mm -hmm. on pretty much a daily basis. Every day he's posting about something that's going on within the community. I know people are, are calling for LeBron to make like an official statement. Antonio no, Davis the, did. You're right. Former the, NBA exactly. player. Yeah. To, to, today. And I, and I know that he, he's calling for that, but just, I mean, that's why you have social media. That's why you have platforms. He, if you just follow LeBron's Twitter over the last, just, just the last 21 days alone, you'll get a very, very, very good look at what side of the fence that he's on and specifically how he feels not only about one part of the movement, but all parts of the movement for the most part. So his influence rings, um, speaks, uh, I should say, speaks volumes within not only his own locker room, um, but also around the league and around yeah. the entire sports world. Yeah. So um, if, quite frankly, if he tells Dwight and Avery Bradley that, you know, the show's going to go on without them, then um, so be it. But I think ultimately those guys will will fall in line. Um, there's going to, the chemistry that the Lakers have specifically uh, within our locker room has been, I think, the best in the league. The Milwaukee Bucks and, and, the, and the L.A. Clippers are, are up there as well, even though they had their struggles throughout the season, you know, kind of meshing the Clippers I'm yeah. speaking about specifically. Injuries, the, yeah, I had a lot of injuries. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. But, but they're up there in terms of overall chemistry. And those yeah. are really the only three teams that have a realistic shot to actually win it. Could, could the Boston Celtics or the Toronto Raptors or even the Houston Rockets get hot Denver, and maybe make, yeah. make, make the conference finals? Yeah, absolutely. But as far as actually hoisting the trophy, I, I'm pretty much guaranteeing that's going to be the Lakers – Clippers or the Bucks. Really, I can probably 85% say it's going to be the Lakers, but you guys will call me a homer and you wouldn't be wrong. But <laughs> I, but LeBron's LeBron's influence is, is major, um, even though I felt that Patrick Beverly's tweet was just maybe a 5% dig 
right? Like, it wasn't a huge dig. It was just pointing out he, – he didn't tell any lies either. No. But he, he kind of didn't do LeBron any favors, but at the end of the day, he's damn right. If LeBron says we're going to play, we're going to play. We'll and see how – basically, it was like, if LeBron says we're going to play, we'll see how many of you want to stand against him and be on right. the opposite line. You know, for Kyrie, it's it, that's an easy decision because you're not playing anyway. So it would be easier for you to be – and that's what Ed Davis essentially called – uh, not not to defer. I want to get back to LeBron, but I'm just going to digress just for a second. Ed Davis of the Ed Davis had so many great things. To oh say. yeah, Go he, ahead. Uh, for, uh, formerly of the LA Lakers, spent the 2013. I'm sorry, 2014, 2015 season with the Lakers, and he is now with the Utah Jazz. He really came out swinging it in a recent article in the Athletic, basically calling out that uh, you know it's easy for a guy like Kyrie, who's a top five. Uh, NBA player as far as salary goes to say, yeah, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, uh, uh, I'm not gonna play this season. I'm gonna sit it out. And it's easy for a guy like Dwight Howard to basically say the same thing because, yeah, Dwight's only making a million and a half guaranteed this year. But at the same point in time, he's living on a 23 million dollar mansion uh, in, I mean, in just a beautiful area of Atlanta. So how connected is he really with what's going on in uh, in in the inner city of Atlanta? With what's going on right now, and I think that's what he was alluding to. I'm paraphrasing, of course, but I think, but he basically took shots at both of those guys. Where a guy like Ed Davis is basically scrapping for every buck that he's making because he's been an NBA journeyman. So for him, it's very important for the season to to, to come back in there. And is a guy like Kyrie really considering what all of these other NBA players have to go through? You know what I mean? Same with Dwight. Are they really considering the whole about how much we need these paychecks, or are they just kind of thinking about well, the the, the protest should 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 overtake and overshadow anything we consider business wise or financially? So just to kind of piggyback off of what you just expound on, uh, Ed Davies, he said, "In quote, if we don't play, I honestly think that there's a chance that we don't play next year." I'm looking at it like with where we're at as a black I culture have, yeah. and, and how we're so far behind when it comes to black people and the wealth that we have and the money that we have, us missing the rest of the season and possibly next year, we're talking about billions and billions of dollars for the black community because a lot of guys right. in the NBA yeah. are black men from inner cities and things like that. Right. He said, he said, for me, I make $5 million a year and I'm taking a 25% pay cut due to COVID-19. So I'm losing around $30,000 every two weeks. Yeah. That's hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know, and you have to really focus on that. I know the money isn't everything, but it's something. And, and for a lot of these guys, it is something. And, and that's what you have to have in order to affect change. Really, at the end of the day, what you want, what we want as a people and what I want specifically I mean, kneeling is cool. A fist in the air is great. Protesting. A, state, a statement is cool. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, f- programs, uh, initiatives, all that is great. But until we see a president put pen to paper to sign in federal legislation against killing unarmed black people, minorities, or just people in general and making it a federal hate crime to do so, that's really the end goal at yeah, the end of the day, absolutely. because we need to we need to force the hand of the leaders of systematic racism yeah. groups like the NYPD, the LAPD, all, all of the police forces around 
um, the United States of America, especially, especially now, um, the Atlanta Police Department with with the killing of um, Richard uh, Brooks. Believe, yeah, Richard, Richard Brooks. Richard yeah, Brooks, over yeah. the weekend, which which was just terrible. So right. that's really what, what we're after at the end of the day. And when I say we, we meaning anybody that's in the movement, not just black people, no. you included, you included, sir, as well as anybody else that's not black, that, but, but that is with the Black right. Lives Matter movement, which represents all people as a whole, including even now all black trans lives matters. Um, yeah, that was a massive movement on Sunday you know, afternoon in West Hollywood. Exactly. So yeah. all of that going back to the original question of how much influence does LeBron have? Um, he has a ton of influence, yeah. and ultimately, and ultimately, he he's going to swing the pendulum, and, and these guys are going to tip off uh, July first on, on their first game uh, back in Orlando. And LeBron's doing a lot. I, you know, you may not see him out there in the streets, but I mean. This guy has taken a stand on so many social issues over the last, I want to say, about six, seven years. I mean, not, and, and I always go back to the fact he opened up a school for underprivileged kids in Akron, uh, Ohio. He is creating opportunities for education. The guy opened up a school, guys. Yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> no, that's what I'm saying. He opened up a school. And by the way, in case Antonio Davis or anybody else didn't know, LeBron James is leading a charge to get people registered to vote which is how you actually have to put out change. Everything goes to a vote. Change just doesn't happen. If you want to get real change, you still have to go out and vote. Dre, and he's gotten Draymond Green to join him. Trey Young, Skylar Diggins in the WNBA, in areas that tend to vote more conservative, they're actually going out there and trying to get those specific areas throughout Michigan, Florida, Arizona to actually get more African Americans, Latino Americans, anyone who's not registered to vote, that is what their prime objective. He's doing that right now. So LeBron James is still doing things and still having the focus and the foresight to be a devoted family man, to be a iconic businessman, to expand his his empire beyond just being uh, an NBA basketball player, to still be, you know, one of the greats in the game. And still yeah. hunting for a championship. He's doing it all. So if this guy, if that's the standard, then what's your excuse then? What's your excuse? I could do both. What is your excuse for not doing both? I'll wait. Right. I don't know about your favorite player, but my favorite player is speaking out against injustices and still taking ice baths and training at the same time and getting ready for the season. So I know maybe all players may not be putting it on social media, but I'd be willing to bet there's not too many players right now Who are doing at this very moment that are, that are training, speaking out against injustices on social media and still hitting up the gym and taking an ice bath on, on a daily basis, making sure their body is fresh and let me, to, win, to win that ring. Yeah, no, exactly. And let me just walk it back a little bit. I'm not saying everybody's got to do exactly what LeBron James is doing. LeBron James is, is, is special. As a basketball player, as a human being, he is a role model for a lot of people to aspire to be. I, I, I really think, especially African Americans, because he is showing I am not just a basketball player. I'm not just going to shut up and dribble like Laura Ingram told me. I am a, an activist. I am a, uh, a successful businessman. I have created jobs and opportunities for African Americans, for, for a lot of different people. I mean, look at Maverick Carter and Rich Paul. They are successful businessmen because LeBron James uh, helped give those guys an opportunities and they took it and ran. I mean, nobody's taking credit for what Rich Paul and Maverick Carter have been able to do. But still, it was because of LeBron James that those guys kind of got their start as well. So 
Before Antonio Davis says anything else, and I'm not just saying this because LeBron's a Laker, I'm saying this, if LeBron James was in Cleveland or Miami, I'd be saying the same thing. So, to what Patrick Beverly originally said, there is some truth to it. If players still want to sit out because they don't feel comfortable because of the COVID, or they really want to keep their focus on, on protesting and whatnot, hey, I'm in no position, no position to tell another man how to live. I'm just saying, though, don't think that the two are mutually exclusive because they're not. In my I don't opinion. give a damn. I, I don't give a damn. I, I actually will tell another man how to do it. If you really feel <laughs> that, str- if you really feel that oh, yeah. strongly to where you have to put out statements to CNN and go and and, and say in on in interviews and whatever the case may be to continually back your point, then do a Maya Moore, do what she's doing. Yeah. Take take the Good action. Example. And, and be an activist, and and, and just no, and don't play the game anymore. Obviously, you've made enough money uh, for a lot of these guys that, that have spoken out the way the way that they have. Obviously, you wouldn't speak out as much as you would if had you not made the money. I don't hear Kyle Kuzma, Jason Tatum, Donovan Mitchell, Marcus Smart. I, I don't hear those guys really speaking out as loudly as the rest of these guys that have that have made money. But right. that's that's just my point. We all have a, a society uh, in society. We all have a role to play. I, I mean, I had to take off a day of work so that way I could even go protest the way that I wanted to. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, I still have to come back and, and work in order to provide, you know, what I need in order to live on a daily basis, as these guys need to do as well. So if you don't need the money, you don't need to play, then don't play. But don't uh, speak badly about somebody that who do who does, does want to play. Yeah, that does that does want to play. So yeah, that leading into what it's going to be like now. For the Los Angeles Lakers, I mean, you tell me. Do you think that there's going to be now a divide within our locker room? Because two of our players, two of our most prominent players, right, that that, that have a very large role, being Avery Bradley and Dwight Howard, um, have very large roles on the team. The yeah. team would be very, very different if these two guys don't play. Is the locker room divided? I hope not. I hope not. You know, I mean, listen, we we have seen what what could happen with Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. The fact that those two guys got sick, and now their relationship. Even Quinn Snyder said, ah, you know, I mean, it happened and whatnot. He didn't really give a clear answer, so which leads me to think there's still tension there. So my point is, things can happen that can break up a locker room when when you stand on two separate sides of the fence on certain things, especially when it comes to let's be honest, this is a political issue. And whether or not we should be playing, even though we're all part of this movement, we all we all kind of want the same things. We want an end to systematic racism. We want to end to police brutality, uh, mostly against people of color and and, and mostly Afri- uh, in the African American communities. But at the same point in time, we're also athletes. This is our job. We are paid professional basketball players. And yeah, never mind. We got a chance to do something special this year. But we have got to get on the same page of. What we want. And that's what I go back to. What do we want and how do we want to accomplish it? I hope that the fact that Kuzma, LeBron, Jared Dudley, and probably several others, uh, you know, aren't going to be at odds with the Dwight Howards and the Avery Bradleys. And, and they could find a way to coexist. And, and if Bradley and Howard come back and, you know, say, hey, listen, let's just clear the air right now. It was never about not playing for us. It was just about this being a more important movement. And LeBron could come through and, and, and say, along with Anthony Davis and the other leaders of the team, saying, hey, listen, guys, we're right. We understand where you guys are coming from. We're not, and that's the other thing, we're not, we shouldn't be against one another. We should be with each other. 
But at the same point in time, this is something that we get paid to do. And we got a chance to accomplish something special this year. And while we're trying to accomplish that special something, we could still use this platform to protest. We could still use this platform to create awareness. We could still come uh, use this platform to create solutions that make sense for our community, for our people. And I hope that becomes a focus and that will reignite everybody and get everybody back together on the same page. Absolutely. I don't think that the, the team is going to be divided. I know it seems that way. I hate that that is even the case and that we even have to ask that question right, right now, qu- qu- quite frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, I really wish that, um, I know this is bad to say, I, it, it sounds bad to me to even say it, but I kind of wish that they would have um, kind of kept that in-house the way that they have. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I understand the obligation that Avery Bradley and Dwight Howard felt to speak out about uh, against this because I, I wouldn't want to be held back if, if my feelings were uh, what they were. Sure. And I, I don't want to condemn those guys for saying anything, but at the same time, I'm, I'm obviously torn because I, I don't want my team in the news for uh, having division. But right. at the end of the day, um, I think that the chemistry comes uh, that we have as a team is going to play the biggest role. And, and fortunately for us, we have the best leader in all of sports that are that's going to galvanize us together as a team. And I know, and from a basketball perspective, frankly, I, I'm not going to be surprised. I would be surprised if Avery Bradley doesn't play um, because of the dog that he is. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to be surprised if Dwight Howard doesn't play for all the reasons that I yeah. that I outlined earlier in the in the podcast. Yes, um, it, it's kind of it, it's a little bit deep, deeper for him on a spiritual level. So I, I'm not going to be surprised if he's not there. So, and, and quite frankly, we needed to see Anthony Davis at the five more in the playoffs. Javale McGee is still going to be there, and quite frankly, also um, uh, Morris, Marquise Morris. Yeah. Um, is had had taken away some of Dwight's minutes as that you know off the bench uh, four or five role player. So yeah. not to say that I'm not not to say that I, I'd rather have Dwight than not right. But if Depending Dwight on doesn't the matchups, play, yeah, you want to have that. If Dwight doesn't yeah. play. I'm I not that I'm you know completely okay with it. It would suck because he's been on this redemption tour, and I would like to see him play. And ultimately, I think that may outweigh some of the th- other things that he does feel directly at this moment. Um, it's going to be up to Adam Silver and Michelle Roberts, uh, along with Chris Paul yeah. and Garrett Temple, to make the remainder of the players feel comfortable, including Dwight. And we'll see really what com- what it comes down to. But I just kind of wanted to throw that basketball element for Laker fans, so that way, you know, even if he does play, don't freak out too much because realistically, we're going to see Anthony Davis more at the five, and we still have Javale McGee and Markeith Morris filling in um, in some of those minutes as well. And let me just say this on the final word. And and I at the end of the day, I don't think the the Lakers are going to be divided. I think that they will, you know, hash this out and come to some sort of an agreement. And I think LeBron James will. Uh, I mean, not not try to convince him to play, but just try to get them to see this whole spectrum and kind of maybe even use himself as an example, saying, "Hey, man, I'm doing it twofold. And if I could do it, I think you you can too." But hey. At the end of the day, if you want to sit out because you don't feel it's worth it health-wise or you feel it's going to be a distraction for the movement, then you know what? That's you, man. I mean, that's that's what it is. I, I'm not going to – you're a grown man. you got to figure out what's best for you. And not to mention, Bradley and Howard are, are making these decisions knowing they're two of the lower-paid players on the team. So if they decide that it's worth it to miss out on those checks and, and everything like that because – and that's the other aspect. And I know a lot of people are saying, well – 
NBA players are being selfish if they're doing this and they're going to be going against the movement. But at the end of the day, money makes the world go around. I hate to say that, but it's the truth. We're capitalists. We are a capitalistic society. We, you know, like you said, you still, you know, you, you want to make your voice heard and protest, but you still also have to come home and get ready for work the next day. Same with me. So that's the one thing we have to kind of keep in mind is how much are these guys willing to sacrifice for this movement? And I'll go back to this without a clear cut plan of how to go about invoking real change. Right. And the only way that you can do that is forcing the president's pen to paper in order to put a federal law in place against the injustices of which you protest against. That is the ultimate goal. And whatever you need to do in order to strategize, mobilize and organize in order to get that done, which LeBron is doing, by the way, so be it. He's doing he's doing it as well as 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 many. Just saying he is. He he is. but as well as many others. But also, one, one point I want to make, by even if you don't play the game, that's not going to change the hearts of, sick, you know, old white guys that, that are just already racist. You know, that, that that's just going to be the bottom line. You, you can't change those guys' hearts. You can only hope that eventually, some at one point, they may see something that um, causes them to speak out against it, like it has been with Roger Goodell and, you know, this is the most white people I've seen that have spoken out against, you know, black injustices ever. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I've spoken with my, my own grandmother and my own um, elders within my family who concur that this is the most that they've seen um, anybody outside of black people and minority groups um, back any kind of uh, civil rights or Black Lives Matter movement. So yeah. th- th- things are happening. Things are changing. We can, we can literally feel right. the world changing, not only from a social economical perspective, but also uh, from a health uh, perspective as well. So yeah. um, m- many things are going to happen, and we just kind of have to take them day by day, just like the NBA players and Adam Silver is as well. And, and yeah, I, I agree. I think you hit a lot of good points. And at the end of the day, we got you just said it. we got to be united. On everything, and not just blacks, whites, Latinos, Asians, uh, tra- you know, uh, gay, straight, trans, everybody. We've got to s- stick together. And the last thing the NBA needs right now—not even forget the business sense—you don't want to see African Americans get split on something like this either. Where now you're creating a whole nother divide. This is a time where everybody, if you're going to invoke real change, have got to be on the same page and got to be united if you want to see uh, all of this work out. So we, we cannot see any more split or, or, or divisiveness on, on within the African-American community and definitely not within the NBA community. Absolutely. There's more than, more than one way to skin a cat, and hopefully exactly. we're all just trying to get to the same place right. uh, just a different way. And, right. and, and I, I appreciate the passion uh, of our brothers uh, and, and Laker Nation Mm-hmm. Uh, members Avery Bradley and Dwight, but uh, I'm just not with them on the specific way about going about doing it. You can do both, fight social injustice and still do your job, um, which is to play basketball and, and have a voice and have a platform to speak out against right. those injustices at the same time. Exactly, and I hope we just all keep that in mind. <clears throat> Great stuff today, Chaz. Uh, always a pleasure doing the show with you, man. Um, Tell, tell always. Yeah, how, how how can everybody? How can Laker Nation follow you? On Twitter at Chaz Pearson and on Instagram at Chaz underscore Jaron. You guys know where to find me. What about you, man? 
And you can always follow me on Twitter at Chris underscore Camelo. See Camelo one on Instagram. I'm also on Facebook, Camelo's Corner by Chris Camelo. Also, we are available on all streaming platforms. Please download and subscribe to this podcast at Showtime Forum. That's at Showtime Forum. Follow us on all social media platforms uh, at Showtime Forum on Twitter, on Instagram. We're all over the place. And, of course, always check out the website, theshowtimeform.com. Great stuff again today, uh, this week, and we shall see what comes uh, of all of this, man. There's a lot going on in the, before we get back to work over here, huh? One thing that I just want to point out, we, every week we always talk about, man, what are we going to talk about? What do we want to talk, want to talk about? And every week it's been something new. I know that it's been it was hard in the beginning to, to come out with content, but we appreciate you guys listening to us and sticking with us. Um, and we're going to get into some real good uh, basketball topics hopefully soon when the, when the players start reporting for uh, testing as well as training camp. Mm-hmm. But I, I can't wait to see who hoists up that trophy, and we're going to have a lot to say about it. So stick with us. Absolutely. Take care, everybody. Be safe out there, and we'll catch you all next week. Peace.